Okay, Jam, today's bonus episode is all about the PFAS. Oh, okay. All right, so we're going to ask questions about geckos and Teflon. We're going to ask questions about if plants take in our PFAS and, you know, really, what's the point of them? Are they necessary evils? Are they getting in our water bottles? What's the story? Okay, sounds good. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's do it. Hey, I'm Melissa. I'm Jam. And I'm a chemist. And I'm not. And welcome to Chemistry for Your Life. The podcast helps you understand. Understand. Blah, blah, blah. Understand. If you can understand that. Uh, understand <laughs> the chemistry of your everyday life. Bonus edition. Oh, yeah. PFAS edition. Man, that, that flub really got me off my game. I know. Yeah, it kind of did. It's kind of the irony that it was on the word understand. <laughs> it's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Okay, so I solicited questions from our listeners just about PFAS. And so this is the sort of tying a bow on our little PFAS series. Mm -hmm. So we're going to talk about, you know, some common questions that weren't already answered in the series about forever chemicals. And there were were quite a few. Mm -hmm. And it, it makes sense because so many reasons to have questions about this very complicated, large topic. Yeah, for sure. Okay, you ready? I'm ready. This... First one is from Abishai, one of our patrons in our chem community. Here's what Abishai said. I read something today about Teflon that geckos cannot attach to it. And I was thinking, why? Is the rest of this him too? Yes, he wrote his whole his whole theory and it's really good. So that's why I wanted you to read it. Awesome. Classic Abishai having a really mm-hmm. good theory. Well, the CF bond is strong because of the high orbital overlap. That's the one we said was the strongest bond in organic chemistry. Oh, right, right, right. The high electronegativity difference creates a charge difference that then attracts again in plus and in and minus. But how would how would that stop the geckos? My guess is that geckos use VDW forces. That's Van der Waals forces. Um, Dispersion. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I think sometimes Van der Waals is used to describe like all of the intermolecular forces, but it's London dispersion forces. If you don't remember, you can go back and listen to our geckos episode, uh-huh. um, which are mostly based on polarization. But since F is very small, its orbitals are also very small and mm-hmm. can't achieve high enough polarization for adhesion of the gecko. Okay, so this is 100% correct, but I'm going to say it again in a way that maybe is a little bit easier to digest because you look a little baffled. Well, yeah, I mean, it was just like written as like (laughs) he knew you'd get it. Yeah. (laughs) So he is correct. So we talked about this a long time ago. There's three different types of intermolecular forces. There's one that has an induced dipole that it's normally is just like neutral, but then when it comes into contact with something... It can like, so say this, my hand is a molecule and it's all neutral, but if it comes near another one, it's like, you know, negativity can come out, which would push uh-huh. the negativity of the other one away. So now this is positive and this is negative and they kind of want to be near each other just temporarily while they're coming close together, that'll draw them together and then they'll separate back out. Got it. Then there's like the permanent dipole that's always partially positive and partially negative. And then the, what I used to call the super dipole, that's really strong, the hydrogen bonding. So what he is saying is that fluorine is a really small atom. And so it's, and it's got such a strong draw of the electrons into itself that it's 
not really able to do the induced dipole. The fluorine just holds those electrons really close to itself and doesn't let them move around very much. And what's that? That is called as polarizability. So your ability to move the electrons around on that uh, molecule. We've not really talked about that before, but essentially fluorine can't do that very well. Mm. So the little trick that the geckos use to try to, you know, induce that dipole onto whatever surface they're using and like move the electrons towards them so that they stick or away from them, they can't do it on Teflon. And that's why geckos can't crawl on Teflon. Interesting. I know. I didn't know that before he emailed us. Wow. That's so cool. And so weird. I know. You just wouldn't think, I don't know, like obviously it's designed to not allow things to stick to it, you know, but you just kind of wouldn't think that would apply to just a gecko. <laughs> I know. I know. It's, it's weird like because it's not like. and stuff. It's like, okay, that makes sense. But. Yeah, but we have the equal ability to like, like we can't stick to glass or Teflon, you know? Right, so it's right. like if a gecko can, they should be able to stick to anything that's not stick to us. Right. And in fact, you know, it seems kind of like. Like if you just were going based on just what's intuitive and what's not, mm-hmm. you'd think Teflon kind of has a little bit of like a grippiness that feels like yeah versus like glass, for instance. Yeah. But it's not that. It's molecular. It's not intuitive. It's. Yeah. Wow. So that was a cool one and impressive that Avishai was spot on. Seriously. So your fun fact for that is geckos can walk on glass, but they can't walk on Teflon. Dang. I'm guessing that means like. If it's vertical, right? Like they yeah. could probably walk across a horizontal yeah. they piece. They probably could, but it might feel slippery like walking on ah, ice or something maybe to yeah. them. The yeah. way it, that's how ice would feel to us. No Interesting. traction. Interesting. Okay. This next one, you ready? The next one? Yes, I'm ready. It's from Noel on Instagram. Noel said, what applications of PFAS are there for them to be a sort of necessary evil? I don't know that I think that they are a necessary evil. I don't think we need them. Mm. The world existed before them. Right. It is kind of hard to imagine a modern world without them, but I don't think it's impossible. The biggest thing I think that I would actually hurt is, is companies. It's so much cheaper, I think, to use PFAS than to use anything else. Mm -hmm. And so I actually don't know if it would negatively impact our lives too much. I think it would just make things more expensive, you know, but like, what did we wrap fast food burgers in before we had PFAS? We could just go back to that. Was it wax paper or was it just plain paper? You know, like we could easily go back to that Mm -hmm. or, you know, what did we, what do we have our water bottles out of before that? I think it was probably primarily glass or silicone. We could go back to that, you know? So I feel like we could go back to a world without it. Raincoats, just make them out of rubber. They're not as, as comfortable, you know, as like, it, I think it would just hurt conveniences, but I don't think it really is integral to everyday life. It would just make some things less convenient. Right. And so that might be hard to adjust to for us. The one thing that I was like, maybe this is really helpful is it is a firefighting foam for chemical fires. Mm. And I don't know if there's another good way. Right. And that's one of those where it's like, yeah, this would be an emergency situation. You are deciding between a fire. Which is worse. That destroys things and humans. Yeah. Dangerous lives and stuff like that. But then it would be like, okay, maybe let's use a, this, this is once yeah. we'll use it, you know? Yeah. 
you know, with raincoats too, like a lot of water resistant stuff before you would, you would get some sort of, um, fiber. I think I submitted this as a question to you one time as a question idea, but, um, a lot of stuff back in the day would be canvas and then mm-hmm. they wax it. Yeah. They would melt some wax into it and it kind of forms this new thing. But the cool thing about that is you can rewax it. Yeah. So like, yeah, the wax doesn't last forever. Um, but you can rewax it and your stuff will last a long time still. And it's not just worn out once the wax is gone, once that layer is messed up or whatever. So it's not so bad to go back to. It's a little more yeah. work, but you know. And I would actually prefer that because I got a really nice North Face raincoat and I feel like it already has lost. It's like two and a half years ago is before we got married. Uh-huh. Not us. We're not married, me and my husband. Right. And, um, it already has lost some of its waterproof. And I'm like, I wish I could just reapply this, but I'm assuming yeah. it's PFAS is the thing. And so like, if some of that has worn away, I don't, I don't know how to re up that. You right. Know? And right. it's only two and a half years. I was pretty mad. <laughs> yeah. It's so, frustrating. Yeah. I, I would prefer a canvas one that I could rewax. That sounds amazing. Yeah. So yeah, that's my, I don't, I don't know that I think that they're a necessary evil. That's my thought. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay, this next one is from Avery on Instagram. Here's what Avery asked. How do PFAS get into products that claim or believe they don't have them? Like thinks. What is this? I don't know what thinks is. I think we talked about it before that there was period underwear that oh, there's a lawsuit. Yes. So that's what it is. It's a menstrual underwear that's designed to absorb fluid. And listen, I've always wondered how thinks really does work because they just show you that it absorbs liquid, but they don't show you how. And I, mm. I'm like, as a chemist, I really got to know. Yeah. But I don't know that PFAS would be responsible for the absorption. It's mostly responsible for the waterproof. So, oh, sorry. I stayed up late last night working on a paper. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't think I'd be saying that at the ripe old age of 32. <laughs> um, so I think that. My suspicion is that they are either willfully or truly ignorant to PFAS use somewhere in the supply chain. Mm. I think that's how they get away with saying that they don't use PFAS is if they get clothes that are treated or fabric that's treated with it already and they can just kind of maybe turn a blind eye or maybe it's not one of the big, big four PFAS or whatever that they know about. Yeah. So- this is a quote from the lawsuit that Thinks recently went through in their settlement. It said that Thinks will also take steps to ensure that PFAS are not intentionally added to its underwear at any stage of production and adjust some of its marketing language, including the use of antimicrobial treatments, which might be uh. something PFAS, but not, you know, explicitly. And then it says it will also continue to have suppliers of raw materials sign a code of conduct an agreement attesting that PFAS are not being intentionally added. So I think they could say this is an unintentional product of this other thing we're doing, or, oh, we got it from this person who said they didn't, and we didn't look into it. You know, we're just going to have them sign this piece of paper. So that's my guess is they, they get it from the supply chain or they let it be an, unintentional addition as a side effect of something else they're doing. I, right. One of the things, one of the areas I've seen this in myself, which is just like one specific, can I, can I share the specific piece of cookware that I feel like has been deceptive about this? I think so. All right. 
I mean, I called out North Face and Thinks both in this episode, right. so we're in it now. Fair enough. I'm just not the scientist, so I'm like... <laughs> just say allegedly. All right. All right. So I will say this. There are these... Like, the question is, like, the claim or believe they don't have them. I think the claim part is most the case. And the way they word it is going to be important because yeah. what I've seen, I uh, get ads for all kinds of cookware, probably because they know I'm a diehard cast iron person and they're trying mm-hmm. to trying to get me, you know? Yeah. Um, trying to tempt me. But I've seen ads for hex clad stuff all the time. Have you ever heard of that? No. What is it? Hex? Hex clad. It's a type of cookware. Hex clad. No. So what they say is it's, it's, it's like the best of cast iron plus uh, stainless steel plus blah, blah, blah. But it has this hexagonal sort of pattern to on it. And that's why they call it hex clad. And they try to claim it as like the best thing ever. And uh, one of the celebrity chef guys is part of it. And like, or is in a lot of their ads, you know, mm-hmm. but they'll say multiple times does not include Teflon, does not have Teflon, does not have Teflon. But I was like, okay, I'm looking at this piece of cookware and if it's as non-stick as it looks, but it looks like stainless steel with like a pattern to it, something's not right here. Like stainless steel sticks like crazy, right? Yeah. It just does. I mean, you can do some things with oil, but like depending on how you cook on them, but still it's like going to be pretty sticky and they're showing it yeah. like blowing on an, on a, uh, sunny side up egg and it like fluttering around. I'm like, that's just not stainless steel. Yeah. You look into it and they're using a different PFAS. It's just yeah. not Teflon. So they're saying everywhere, every chance they get is we are not using Teflon. We are not using Teflon. Does not contain Teflon. Yeah. Just a different PFAS that they're using. And I, I mean, that's on their own website. I went and found that out. I didn't look on some other report or journal or something. Yeah. Their own website, if you dig enough, just says, oh, we use a this, proprietary, a different coating. And the valleys of our sort of pattern, the hexagon things fill in with that stuff. And then blah, blah, blah. They try to say it might chip less. Maybe that's true. But they still are using yeah. some sort of PFAS in there. Well, and that's reminds me of the BPA um, conversation that we had where it's mm-hmm. like, what does BPA-free even really mean? Kind of nothing because they just replace it with another version of BPA, you know, so... Yeah, that actually leads well into maybe we could skip down to um, Jess. Jess asked a question that oh, kind yeah. of goes along with that. Do plastic bottles of? Oh no! Wait, sorry, <laughs> Tina. Oh Tina. Oh, Jess has multiple, doesn't she? Oh Tina, there we go. Yeah. Can we swap forever chemicals with more sustainable ones? So I think we could, but not in the way that we were just talking about. So I don't right. think other forever chemicals or shorter ones or, you know, whatever is the way to go. I think it is finding alternatives like wax on canvas for waterproofing Mm -hmm. or silicone instead of some like, uh, for period products, you can use those silicone menstrual discs or cups, Mm -hmm. which are going to be different than the period underwear. And with silicone, you have a lot lower risk that we know of right now, you know? So I think it's going to be Yes, we can swap forever chemicals with more sustainable items, but I don't think there are more sustainable quote unquote miracle chemicals like we thought these were at the time. I think it's going to be going back to or using technology to find new alternatives to that. Yeah. That's my thought because I do think it's going to end up just like the BPA situation where it's like, oh, well, now we just don't know what the new version of this is doing, you know. Right. And you can avoid that whole deal. So like if we think it's likely that at some point they'll be like, Hey, the thing we started using instead of BPA mm-hmm. is actually, this is bad. We just finally have the data. 
would avoid that completely. It's like, what's something that just doesn't have anything following it at all? Like, a cast like iron a, pan. Yep. Or like a glass, a water, glass bottle. water bottle or a metal one Yeah. that, you know, isn't coated with something or whatever. It's like unlikely, at least seems less likely, but the whole like, we just changed a couple things and it's fine. That's seems not like, likely. do we want to risk it and just expect that it won't have the same thing happen in a couple of years? Yeah. So those questions I thought went really well together, actually. That's good. Okay, now Jess's question. Yes. Do plastic bottles of any kind leach PFAS at room temperature or maybe when heated? Okay, so we actually have a patron who supports the show who also works at a a chemical company where they detect leachable substances. Mm. And um, that's Latila, so shout out. And so we talked about this some in the BPA episode, but yes, things can leach into our water, especially when it's heated or left out in UV rays to degrade. Um, but it, I was like, this is not my area of expertise, but you know who areas of expertise it is? Latila. So I asked and ah. she said, short answer, yes. But it also depends on the plastic bottle. If the plastic bottle is made up of one of the four types of PFAS authorized by the FDA to make plastic food packaging, plastic bottles included. If it is present in the makeup of the container itself, which isn't intentional, these are the result of fluorination treatment, then definitely, yes, it can leach as temperature increases. Otherwise, no. So maybe we, one of the things that Latila and I talked about is she just doesn't leave water, like emergency backup water bottles in her car sitting for her kids. You know, it's like we can stop and get one if we need a water bottle. Right. You know, and she used to leave those like in case they got thirsty. So, and for me, like I have a plastic water bottle that I use for working out because I don't want it to get knocked over and shatter if it's a glass water bottle or the, an open container. Mm -hmm. So for that, I try not to leave it in the car. I try not to leave it in the sun if it's going to be getting hot or like I just try to not let it sit out in the sun. You know, we have like, I have specific ways where I'm like, oh, I'd rather not. Just let that sit in the yeah, car. Not yep. just because it gets hot, but because what's leaching in there when it's getting hot. Right. So. That's good. Dang, interesting. Thanks, Latila. Yes. That's awesome. It's perfect that that question was like, we were able to get her insight on that. I know. I how, was like, wow, cool this is, is amazing. Yeah. Oh, and Latila also sent me, and I just saw it right before I came to record this episode, so I didn't have a chance to incorporate it, but a news article that there was a makeup company that was being sued for PFAS in mascara. Whoa. I was like, man, it's everywhere. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Dang. Wow. I know. I wonder if it's that like water resistant, like mascara. Oh, I wonder if it you is. Know? Yeah. And had some of that one time. Um, and she was like, it's actually too good. Like I'm like when, when she was trying to get it off. Say, like, I'm suspicious. Oh, she couldn't get it off. <laughs> I just can't remember actually. Now I think about it, but anyway, Maybe. Um, this next question is from Jess. Is the same Jess? Mm-hmm. Awesome. Does the groundwater that contains PFAS get picked up by any fruits or vegetables? I hope it's the same Jess. Now I'm like, uh-oh, did I accidentally <laughs> attribute you to the same person? <laughs> Sorry. Sorry if I did. I'm just honestly doing my best here. <laughs> um, the short answer again on this is yes. Uh, they can be taken up into plants. So the best thing to do is to use non-plastic rain barrels or filter your water with some of the stuff that we talked about on the last episode. But also you can use raised beds with clean soil. Oh yeah. Um, but even then I was like, 
So this is when you kind of get to be like, this is too much to think about. My bags of soil come in plastic bags. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, is there PFAS in there? I don't know. And then like, (laughs) then also I started composting because we got a house. And my compost thing, I inherited it from a friend, is like a plastic thing so i'm like is it also just leaching into my soil that i'm composting and mm. like it it becomes a problem that's so overwhelming that it's like how do we even really yeah you know right dang so technically yes but i don't think that's your biggest worry mm. and you can look online to see if your water sources are contaminated dang so that really has come back to that thing of like these it's, we got to rely on these corporations to get their act together. We really do. Because then they can provide us with these options that are going to be PFAS free. We can be like, oh, this soil company, they stopped doing that. So yeah. now we know if we buy the soil from them, we get this compost bin from this company. But yeah. like until that day, we are kind of stuck. Or a lot of those decisions aren't up to us at least. It's like, yeah. you want to compost. <laughs> so you can vote and try to get yeah. people to make changes. And that's. Yeah. And sharing yeah. knowledge with your your friends and family. I mean, yeah. like, it helps too. Cause it's like one of those things that so many people just probably have not thought about yeah. at all. The more of us who are aware about it, the better. Yeah. And I think that's because companies intentionally made us not think about it at all. Yep. So it's tough. Um, here's another one from Rachel B. Practically speaking, what products contain PFAS and how can we swap them out? Well, Rachel, we talked about that some already, but also check out our previous episode, which is what can we do about PFAS, where we talked about what can we do now about PFAS, where we talked about a lot of those things. So yeah, not a lot, as you could just tell from that episode. Yep. So that's all I have for us on our PFAS episode. Um, Thank you so much to all of our listeners who submitted those questions. Those were really helpful. And it is interesting to see y'all are thinking about PFAS and like, you know, you're asking those questions is really fun. So. Yeah. It's cool. Cause obviously we're doing, we normally do like a Q and R with a bunch of questions about a bunch of things, but it's cool to have this many questions about one topic. Yeah. That's awesome. So for thank sure. y'all for sending those. These are great. They really are awesome. Time to wrap up. Time to wrap up. Well, as you guys know, most of I have a lot of ideas of topics of chemistry in everyday life, but we love hearing from you guys, getting y'all's questions, just like what made up this entire episode. Y'all's really good questions. And I mean, how did that PFAS series start? Didn't it start with some questions from somebody? Yes, it started with a question and a request from my friend, Sarah. There we go. So y'all's questions are super helpful. So please send those to us if you have any on our website at chemforyourlife.com. That's chemforyourlife.com to share your thoughts and ideas. If you'd like to help us keep our show going and contribute to cover the cost of making it, you can go to patreon.com slash chem for your life or tap the link in our show notes to join our super cool chem community of patrons. But if you're not able to do that, you can still help us by subscribing on our favorite podcast app, rating and writing a review on Apple podcasts, and also subscribing to our YouTube channel. Those things all help us to share chemistry with even more people. This episode of chemistry for your life was created by Melissa Collini and Jam Robinson. Jam Robinson is our producer And the episode was made possible by our financial supporters over on Patreon. It means so, so much to us that y'all are willing to make chemistry accessible to even more people and that people like Avishai submit questions and keep our content going. So thank you to those supporters who are Avishai B, Bree M, 
Brian K, Chris and Claire S, Chelsea B, Derek L, Emerson W, Hunter R, Jacob T, Christina G, Katrina H, Latila S, Lynn S, Melissa P, Nicole C, Rachel R, Stephen B, Shadow, Suzanne P, Timothy P, and Venus R. Thank you again for everything you do to make chemistry for your life happen. And if you'd like to learn more about today's chemistry lesson to answer to these questions, we have some resources in our show notes and in the description of the video that you can check out. Yay, chemistry. Yay, chemistry. Boo, PFAS. I was just thinking the same thing. <laughs> I was like, after she says it, maybe I'll say that. And then you just totally did it. Yeah. <laughs> Boo, PFAS. That's funny. Uh, yay. That was a fun, that was a fun episode.